Bam 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 Hey everyone, welcome back to Go Help Yourself a Comedy Self-Help Podcast to make life suck less. I got through it, I didn't laugh. Well, that's because I wasn't doing the intro. Oh, that's true. Okay. Hey everybody. Oh my God, I'm yeah. like a dog. You okay, Pavlovian response. Um, that's Lisa Linky. And that's Misty Stinnett. Thank you. And I sound a little sexier, huskier, muskier. I'd say filled with phlegm. Thank you. All of the above is correct. That's right. But I'm here and I'm happy to be here and I have brought hand sanitizer. That's right. Lisa is down to do this even though she's feeling terrible and that's why we love her. Yeah, I mean, I don't feel super terrible. I mostly feel terrible for you if you wake up sick tomorrow. <laughs> Listen, I have had whatever's going around, I think, about okay. three times. That's right. So I this feel is my like first go. I feel like I'm untouchable. Listeners, do I sound like a new guest host? <gasps> I have replaced Lisa with Lursa Lernke. Listen, I plugged Lisa in, she got a software update. <laughs> it's all happening. Um, so in case this is your first time tuning in, this is a uh this is a comedy podcast where we review a popular self-help book each episode, mm-hmm. and we talk about how we feel about it. We review it. Um, but as we've said before, we're not doctors. No. We're not scientists. No. We are just trying to figure life out. Although you do know STEM. Um, I can count to 10, and that's where the abilities Don't stop. do that. Now, listen. Here's something I do want to tell you guys. <laughs> If you're new to our podcast, I want to give you a heads up on maybe how to listen to this podcast. Oh, yeah, please. Through your ears. But more importantly, (laughs) I do want to say you can listen to it however it makes sense to you. Mm -hmm. You might notice that on Fridays, we drop our full-length episodes where we review a book. And then on Tuesdays, we have these mini episodes, which Misty is logging, logging, lobbying to call a weekly beef. And I'm... That's right. I'm... I'm... On the fence. I'm on the fence. I'm in the pasture about it. And um, in <laughs> that, we around. check in on the homework and we do some more other fun things. And those typically are shorter. So yeah. if you just want to hear book reviews, dude, just do that. That's yeah, totally fine. But if you want to supplement um, what you're hearing and you're, if you're getting more into self-help or if it's intriguing to you, we do we cover some of the history of self-help. We do fun trivia, thought-provoking questions. Listener um, stories. Right. And as Lisa said, updates on the homework we give each other in these these fuller episodes. So, um, Or if you just want to listen to the minisodes and you're like, I could, I could care about the book, then fine. Yeah. No problem. Also, I mean, maybe... Maybe you want to try some of the homework along with Misty and I that we assign each other and listen, you know, if we assign it on Friday and you listen on Saturday, you try it Monday, Tuesday, whenever. And then when you want to listen to the minisode and see what it was like for us doing the homework, listen along and and write into us and let us know. And then... Just know this. You can listen in any order, but we do tend to often refer to books that we have previously mentioned or read and reviewed. We do. We so do because they're in front of you, mind. They are. I do right. see a lot of connections. I do too. No, and I, I feel like I've been quoting The Subtle Art of, of Not Giving a Fuck mm-hmm. since the moment I started reading it. It's yeah. just, it's a gem. It's it's really impacted our lives. So it just is. know that. If that's going to bug you, then maybe go in order. Yeah. And our podcast is your oyster. 
Well, put whatever accoutrements on it you want and suck that baby down. I was going to say you are the pearls, but oh. I like suck it down. Oh, yeah. Suck it down. With some hot sauce. That, that's our new tagline. Okay, great. So this is the regular full episode, and um, we're basically reading the book so that you don't have to. Yeah. And you can go on enjoying your busy life. Yeah. Or if you love what you hear, you can go out and buy the book. You can read it. You you know, we want to hear what you thought of it. But this is basically, we're distilling it down yeah. so that you can get the essence of this book and these authors' perspectives. The pith, the core, the nugget. On your morning commute. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, Lisa, those synonyms, girl. Listen. You may be sick, but your brain is healthy. My, my brain is sick. So, Lisa, what do you have for us? I don't even know <gasps> what book you've read. You don't? I don't. You don't remember? Well, I wasn't sure if you switched it. You were, said you were reading a couple, oh. so like, which one have you chosen? Ladies and gentlemen, Misty and Sav, this week I have chosen The Five Second Rule, Transform Your Life, Work, and Confidence with Everyday Courage by Mel Robbins. Whoa, I've never even heard of this book. I hadn't either, but I looked at like what were very popular books. Yes. And this was one. And I got to tell you, I like this book. Oh, my God. Amazing. I feel like if we could insert like a... Yeah. That would be amazing. I like the way you did it. It sounded like a duck with a trumpet. Okay, good. Um, So let me tell you about Mel Robbins. Yes. Melanie Mel Robbins is an American on-air CNN commentator, television host, author, and motivational speaker. She's widely known for covering the George Zimmerman trial because she um, got her law degree from Boston College Law. Wow. She's mostly known in relation to this book from her TEDx talk called How to Stop Screwing Yourself Over. It's got over 15 million views on YouTube alone. And in the very last two minutes of this talk, she kind of offhandedly threw in this this five-second rule to the audience. And that has spawned this book, which has then kind of catapulted her career even further into Holy shit. around this five-second rule. She's oh. kind of like a... Um, now she's a motiva- motivational speaker and coach, and I think that's predominantly what she does now. Whoa! But um, it it's pretty it's pretty great. That's amazing. Yeah. So she's like a heavyweight journalistic lawyer, motivational. Yeah. Although lady. I think she's kind of getting out of the law. Okay. And is now really into motivational. Because that's where I think her passion lies. I love that. Yeah. Oh, she sounds cool already. Yeah. So this book, I read it on my Kindle. Great. Um, as you know, I, I like to typically read paper books, mm-hmm. but I was on vacation, so I read it on my Kindle. And if the Kindle <laughs> cover looks like what the regular cover looks like, it's just like a nice, cool um, bu- book with like... Five second rule, like huge on the front. It just makes me think that someone is reading a very extensive guide on whether or not they can eat the thing that they dropped on the ground. It's true. And also, we'll talk about that later. Oh, and great. Why okay, that is, uh huh. Um, and how many pages is it? Oh, that's a great question. On my Kindle, it was like 200 and some. Okay. But great. I don't think that, that, works because kindles everybody's the pages is different based oh on my your... font is so big it's like a word a page <laughs> all my books are like 15,000 like pages I'm long reading because yeah. i'm like page 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 <laughs> um well there are five parts to this book okay okay the first is called the five second rule mm-hmm. in which she lays out what it is great the second part is called the power of courage mm-hmm. the third part is called courage changes your behavior 
The fourth part is called courage. Nope. Courage changes your mind. I see where I've had some copy and paste problems (laughs) and I'm just discovering them now. (laughs) Because what my paper says is courage changes your changes, your behavior, your behavior, (laughs) our behavior. But I don't think that's accurate. The accurate part three is courage changes your behavior. And part four is uh, courage changes your mind. I believe so. And then part five is courage changes everything. I'm just going to double check that really fast while you ask me a question. So it sounds like Mm -hmm. this book is about courage. (laughs) Is that, would you say that's accurate? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just a second. Yep. Mm -hmm. It is. It is. So her premise is that through this five-second rule, it requires courage to act, but Mm -hmm. through the action you develop um, confidence mm-hmm. that gives you more courage to keep acting. Okay. It's kind of like a little great. cycle. So what is the five-second rule? What a great question, Misty. Oh, thanks, Lisa. I'm going to um, I'm gonna lead you to that path. Okay. Um, because I, I think if you hear it in its simplicity, you'll be like, that's stupid, and this <laughs> book is not worth reading. And I think she was smart in the way she laid it out because she kind of gets you to what it is. Okay, great. So um, here's the promise of the book. She basically talks about how she's built confidence by learning how to honor her instincts with action and so that they come into life in the real world. And she uses honor on purpose. And she says, that's what you're doing when you use this rule. You're honoring yourself. Um, You're championing your ideas. And every time you use it, you take one step closer to being the the person you're truly meant to be and achieving your goals. And she says, I have changed from the kind of person who just thinks about my ideas to having the confidence to share, act on, and pursue them. And if you use the rule consistently and you honor your instincts with action, the exact same transformation will happen to you. Now, here is something that I liked about the book and also was annoying from time to time. Okay. She says, I forget it, somewhere in the book, she says, like, she's been contacted over, I don't know, 300,000 times through social media. They did a search and, like, tallied it. Oh, I was going to say, did she count those? Because Yeah, it's like hashtag five-second rule. If you look anywhere, you'll mm, find it. Okay. Or people um, tag her, Mel okay, Robbins. Okay. And um, she uses those in her book. They're screen captures of actual Facebook posts or Instagram or Twitter uh, posts. And... She uses them as examples in her book. Okay. So on the one hand, it's really cool to see that. Like a testimonial. It is. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, it was annoying time after time after time to read very tiny on my Kindle screen. Oh, yeah, because you can't zoom in on that? Mm -mm. And and also it was kind of nice because I could just get past it because she... She basically summarizes what happens in there. Do you know what I mean? Oh, good. So you could look at it or you didn't have to. Right. Well, can I tell you the very first thing I thought of when you're talking about like instincts and acting on your instincts is powerful. I cannot even send an email to a new person without rereading it like seven times before I send it. And then I'll go to my sent folder and read it again just in Mm. case, you know, there are any mistakes. I just like to make sure that I feel the full weight of those and go into a shame spiral. So I think you're going to like this book. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Um... (laughs) So she says as she used the rule more and more in her life, she realized that she was making small decisions all day long that held her back. Okay. A la, you're rereading and rereading and then reading the thing you sent. In five seconds flat, she'd decide to stay quiet, to wait, to not risk it. She'd have an instinct to act and with, in five seconds, her mind would kill kill it with doubt, excuses, worry, or fear. Mm. Uh, she says, I, I, I was the problem. 
And in five seconds, I could push myself and become the solution. The secret to change had been right in front of my face the entire time, five second decisions. And I wrote, it sounds too easy. Now, I, w- I wasn't a fan of the, in the very mm-hmm. beginning. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's how it all began. I'm taking you down a path, and I'm sorry. You no, know, you are, and I, I wanted mic. I want to jump in, but I'm sure you're just going to answer. Well, what is your question? Well, it's first of all, I feel like I can relate so much to idea, doubt, dead. Yes, like I think, I think. And I think we mentioned this on a mini-sode before, but, like, the human brain is constantly, I think you said, like, three times an hour it's checking to see if— Three times a minute. Oh, my God. Three times a minute. Your prefrontal cortex. Checks to make sure we're not dead or in we're danger not dying. of dying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, it does feel like it is human instinct and human behavior to just, like, go, oh, here's a risk, even if it's just, like, a mental idea yes. risk, and shut it down And she safety. talks about this, and I, I think you'll really like this. Oh, great. Being a person of STEM background, oh, I think God. you'll really like are, it. Okay. Are you all sick of this joke yet? No. We're oh, never going to. Okay. Listen, okay. there's a running bit. Okay, Episode 100. STEM. <laughs> okay. So how it all began. The re- uh, So she talks about how she was kind of in this rut. She and her husband were in this rut. They were in a financial rut. Mm-hmm. She had wanted to be like a host on TV. She got picked up for one program, but then it got cut and she was in a contract and she couldn't work. And she just kind of kept hitting the snooze button and like she wasn't getting anything done in her life and it was a really bad space. Damn. And so she kept saying, I I just kept hitting the snooze button. I didn't get out of bed and I didn't get out of bed and I didn't get out of bed. And she says, the reason I didn't get out of bed was simple. I just didn't feel like it. I would later learn that I was stuck in what researchers call a habit loop. I had hit the snooze button so many times in a row that the behavior was now a closed loop pattern encoded in my brain. Oh, shit. Then one night, everything changed. I was about to turn off the TV and head to bed when a television commercial caught my attention. There on the screen was the image of a rocket launching. I could hear that famous final five-second countdown. Five, four, three, two, one. Fire and smoke filled the screen and the shuttle launched. I thought to myself, that's it. I'll launch myself out of bed tomorrow, like a rocket. I'll move so fast I won't have time to talk myself out of it. It was just an instinct, one that I could have easily dismissed, and luckily I didn't. I acted on it. I desperately wanted to change. I just didn't know how. And this is an important point in my story. This instinct to launch myself out of bed was my inner wisdom talking. Mm -hmm. Hearing it was a tipping point. Following its instructions was life-changing. And I thought, you know, I feel like many of us hear this instinct and we relate to this. This is why we buy a self-help book. Right. Something in there appeals to us. Right. And she really weaves in why it's important to listen to that voice. So... She says, your instincts may seem stupid in the moment, but when you honor them with deliberate action, it can change your life. And something I liked that she did is that she validated people's ideas throughout. Mm -hmm. So people would write and be like, this is what happened when I tried this five-second rule. And she'd be like, this person is exactly right. This person did this, and this is what happened. And she doesn't tell you exactly what to do. She's like, you already know what you need to do. Yeah, and I, I, again, I'm loving what I'm hearing, and Mm -hmm. I I think... I, I am curious to see what she says about, like, strategies mm-hmm. for summoning the courage to act on yes. those things. Because I have been in similar situations where it's like, I, I'm late to work three days in a row. I can't get out of bed. It's it's cold outside. It's raining. It's the winter. It's dark. Whatever mm-hmm. it is. And I instead just have to um, trick myself and plug my phone in across the room so that when the alarm goes off, I have to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. To You know what I mean? So I'm curious to see how she 
put yeah. that into action. You're right. She's like, your inner wisdom is a genius. Your goal-related impulses, urges, and instincts are there to guide you. You need to learn to bet on them. Mm. And I just thought, this is like a huge shift for people who constantly question themselves. Yeah. Right? And so it's, I think we're taught to question ourselves, and we're not taught to say, oh, I have this instinct to do this. Let's do it. Instead, yeah. we're like, let me calculate it. Let me talk about the risk. And she talks about this. Mm -hmm. So she says... I ignored how I felt. I didn't think. I did what I needed to be done. The five-second rule is the moment you have an instinct to act on a goal, you must five, four, three, two, one, and physically move or your brain will stop you. Mm. So um, she says, later I would learn that when you count backwards, you mentally shift the gears in your mind. You interrupt your default thinking and do what psychologists call assert control. The counting distracts you from your excuses and focuses your mind on moving in a new direction. When you physically move, instead of stopping to think, your physiology changes and your mind falls in line. In researching this book, I discovered that the rule is, in the language of habit research, a uh -huh. starting ritual that activates the prefrontal cortex. Helping oh. to change your behavior. Wait, so do you literally count down and say five, four, three, two, one, yes. and move at the same time? Or do you five, count down and then? Five, four, three, two, one, move. And move as in like walk down your hallway or whatever or what your do you goal mean? is. So if her goal was to get out of bed oh. in the morning when her alarm went off, she counted five, four, three, two, one, threw back the covers and got out. This reminds me of two things. Like what? The first is um, at one of my old jobs, I was on set a lot and there was one director in particular that directed a lot of um, the episodes of, of the TV show I was working on. And anytime he had an a negative thought, he would literally jump out of it. Yeah. So we didn't he would physically we, move. He would physically jump out of it. And we didn't know what he was doing. And we watched all day long as suddenly he just literally would jump a few feet in the air or jump a foot to his left or a foot to his right. And so finally we asked, what are you doing? And he that just was very effective for him to physically move out of that negativity. And then the other thing I'm reminded of, and um, forgive me if I've talked about this before, but um, my voice teacher, Matt Beisner, talks a lot about how we are not responsible for our first thought. Mm -mm. We are not responsible for that snap judgment or reaction or self-doubt that comes into our head. What we are responsible for is our first action. Mm. So it's first thought, not responsible for it, but second thought is, okay, what's the next best thing I can do? Right. First action. Right. Or if somebody cuts you off in traffic, your first thought might be, He's what an asshole. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But then your second thought could be... Follow them home and find out where they live. That's exactly right. Thank you. We're so on the same page. Mm -hmm. But do you get what... It, it's really it's really interesting. And, and it's not natural when you first start thinking that way. No. It's slow. I know I have to remind myself to try and do that every single time. But, you know, your reaction might be, oh, well, maybe they are in a horrible rush to get somewhere that's very important or life-saving for them, and I'll let them in. When I work with executives and I'm working with presentation coaching, I love to tell them to assume the best. Assume the best in people. When somebody's on their phone, it's so easy to immediately be like, fuck you, I'm giving a presentation, you should be listening. But it doesn't serve you, it doesn't serve the audience, the rest of the audience who might be listening. So assuming the best intention, which is that they're emailing somebody saying, we got to bring this person in to talk to our team. 
right? Yeah. Just just helps immensely. And of course, they're probably playing Angry Birds, but you don't have control over that. But but we don't know. And one last thing, and I swear I'll let you get back to the book, yeah. but um, I read a quote a few weeks ago that said something like, can you imagine what it would feel like to walk around with um, the perspective that the entire world is conspiring for your benefit? Oh, a white man? <laughs> Well, a heterosexual, I mean, cisgendered, yes, educated, wealthy would, white man. Right. What what it would feel like sorry. to be in those shoes. Don't be sorry. But uh, but that that was really that was really perspective shifting for me because I think so many times I walk in thinking like, oh no, I'm going to say the wrong thing yeah. or whatever insecurities are there or this person's not going to like me or they're going to judge me and I'm not going to get what I want or whatever it is. Yeah. But instead, walking into any room, a new job, the grocery store, whatever, yeah. thinking. Everyone here is excited to help me and conspiring for my benefit. That is so. I that, that was really you powerful. Shop at Trader Joe's because that is true. They are the most pleasant. They people really are. On earth. Okay, so here's something that I really, really loved. She said, "Forget motivation; it's a myth." Mm. I don't know when we all bought into the idea that in order to change, you must feel eager or feel mm-hmm. motivated to act. It's complete garbage. The moment it's time to assert yourself, you will not feel motivated. In fact, you won't feel like doing anything at all. And I was like, that's so liberating because I hate when people are like, let me tell you, you'll start working out and like seven days later, you won't be able to go without it. And Uh I say, you know what? I'm sure there are some people who feel that way. I have been active for most of my life. I was a competitive swimmer in high school. Um, I lifted weights like I, I never once was like, I love this. I'm just right. not built that way. I loved the team aspect. Sure. I loved being with a, and being of the camaraderie and working on a team. I did enjoy pushing myself, but I never was like my friends who were like, if I'm not swimming seven miles a day, I'm bitter. Right. And I will add on to that. I completely relate to that. And I will add on a true success, I think, comes for people who do the work and get up every day, especially when they're not feeling motivated. Yeah. I think the days that you yeah. are are specifically feeling unmotivated yeah. to do anything or non like I hate this, I don't want to do it, but you sit in the chair and you write or you yeah. put on your running shoes and you go or you fill out more job applications, whatever you're working on, those are the people. Because if we're, if we're all waiting to feel motivated. You're never going to feel it. You're never going to, well, or you might feel it, but you're never going to reach a meaningful level unless you're super lucky. And there, again, there's another quote that's like, amateurs wait to feel motivated Mm -hmm. to sit down and write and professionals find motivation at 9 a.m. every morning, you know, or, or they're just there. I love that. Um, So she did a lot of research. She dug into like the step-by-step experiences of what happens when people face the moment they choose to change. And she deconstructed this moment. And it's so fascinating. Each one of us is wired, which makes sense. You know, I've often said that my brain is lazy. My Mm. therapist has said that's not a kind word. Mm -hmm. Let's use reticent to exert energy. And I would never use the word lazy to describe your brain. Oh, ever. I think all brains are lazy because they're cognitive misers. It takes a lot of energy to, to use your brain. I think they don't like to use energy. Mm. I mean, they like to preserve themselves. You know, when you are dying, when you're bleeding out, (laughs) the last thing to go is your heart and your brain. So, like, 
all of that energy is conserved. It takes so much work to form new neural pathways. That's why that's why it feels oh, so yeah. hard mm-hmm. to think a new thought when you believe something else. So I believe the brain is a straight up cognitive miser and it does not like to change. It's a complicated, intelligent that's what machine. You mean. Okay. I yeah. thought you meant just in general and I was like, no, your mind is very sharp. Yeah, but it doesn't like doing work. It's yeah. like a toddler. You have yeah. to like say, I'm going to write for 10 minutes, and mm-hmm. then I promise you I'll let you up. Yes, and then it's exactly. like a deal. Trick. Trick. What is the toy Always I'm getting? Trick your exactly. brain. So she says, right before we're about to do something that feels difficult, scary, or uncertain, we hesitate. And hesitation is the kiss of death. You might hesitate for a nanosecond, but that's all it takes. And that one small hesitation triggers a mental system designed to stop you. And it happens in less than how much time do you think? Uh, 0.38 What is seconds. the title of this book? Five Second Rule. Yeah, so it's five seconds. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. This is why you can't rely on me for STEM. Well, you were, you were very specific. Okay. <laughs> so she's really looked into, she mentions that she does a lot of research, but she doesn't actually like provide the research. I'm sure it's oh, somewhere really? in her website. Oh, I hate that. Well, but I think that's not what people who are picking up this book really want. Yeah, but at the same time, like a, a pie chart never hurt anybody. Well, I don't know how many self-help books have a pie chart. I love a visual reference. You're from I STEM. am that target audience. So she says the rule is a simple research-backed metacognition tool that creates immediate and lasting behavior change. And metacognition, by the way, is just a fancy word for any technique that allows you to beat your brain in order to accomplish your greater goals. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when do you use the rule? Uh, whenever you feel an instinct fire up to act on a goal or a commitment or the moment you feel yourself hesitate on doing something and you know that you should do it. Okay. So does she provide some concrete examples? Mm -hmm. How to use the rule. Start by counting backwards to yourself. Five, four, three, two, one. The counting helps you focus on your goal and commitment and distract you from worries, thoughts, fears. And as soon as you reach one, move. That's all. So it could be like you see the kitchen sink full and you're like, I should do that. Five, four, three, two, one. Go empty the kitchen sink. Damn. That's it. That's it. Or if I'm like, if I'm dry so i uh i don't love to cook i'm trying to develop a fondness for cooking i love to bake it's very satisfying mm-hmm. um it doesn't take a long time but cooking for whatever reason is in my mind just like this huge slog mm-hmm. like tons of prep tons of cleanup it can take hours to make a recipe mm-hmm. But so, but I'm trying to do that. And sometimes I'll get an idea for a recipe or I'll think, oh, I've never made that before. I want to try it. So it, in that situation, if I'm going, oh, here's a crazy, here's a recipe that seems intimidating before I can talk myself out of it, I would say five, four, three, two, one, and maybe like you turn my car safely and drive to the grocery store. Like, Floor it and make a left turn, drive through buildings and go right and to the get nearest. There. Get yeah. There. If you're in your car, I would. If you're mm-hmm. at your laptop, I would. Mm-hmm. Google a recipe and print it out. Okay. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, any kind of action. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the reason it works is because counting and moving are actions. By teaching yourself to take action when normally you'd stop, you can create remarkable change. She says counting backwards does a few important things. It distracts you from your worries, focuses your attention on what you need to do, prompts you to act, and interrupts the habits of hesitating, overthinking, and holding yourself back. Damn. So other five-second rules have something in common, like when you drop food. Mm. She says they require you to physically move within a five-second window. So deciding whether or not to eat the food off the floor requires you to pick it up and throw it away or to pick it up and eat it. Right. (laughs) I was like, oh, yeah, it does require you to actually make a decision and move. Yeah, I guess so. You've never just, like, casually left a drumstick on the floor for three days. 
No. Just me? Yeah. Hmm. Let's okay. talk. Um, and so I'm thinking about when you saw that director, physical movement is important too because, yeah. I mean, think about your prefrontal cortex. If you suddenly jump, your cortex is going to be like, whoa, what's happening? Do I need to check everything out? It's going to stop thinking about the worrying thoughts. That's so interesting. Yeah. So I, I she wrote... <clears throat> There is a window for everyone between the moment you have an instinct to change and your mind killing that instinct. And this five-second window seems to work for everyone. That said, by all means, play around with it to make it work for you if you need three, two, one, or four, three, two, one. Mm. She's like, more than five is tough. And I said, take a fucking note, Gay Hendrix. I love this book. I said it. <laughs> Gay Hendrix, as we know, wrote The Big Leap, and I was not a fan of how he was like, this is how it is. Yeah, yeah. That was a that episode was a bumpy ride for both of us. It was. So basically, she's just saying all this hesitation gives your brain an opportunity to stop it from doing something different, which yeah. our brain is scary. All that. So great basically stuff. act the, as soon as you have the thought. Just just get in the habit of acting. That's it. Okay. Part two, the power of courage. Yep. So everyday life is full of moments that are scary and certain and difficult. Facing these moments and unlocking the opportunity, magic, and joy in your life requires tremendous courage. Yeah, it does. And I was like, life is hard. It is hard. I just had a, a phone call today with somebody that, you know, it, it just very... Ultimately, low stakes phone call, but I was like, you know, yeah. it took courage to get on the phone and like be myself and loosen up. And it, that was just a phone call. Yeah. In this part, she basically gives everybody access to permission to access their courage. And I was like, did this bitch read Big Magic? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So she has a section called What, what Are You Waiting For? And she's like this common thought that we all have when we want to, to do something. We hear an instinct is what if you're wrong? And she yeah. just wants you to ask yourself, so what? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, she keeps focusing on process, not product, which I really enjoyed. I love that. So because when you focus on in my experience, when you focus on the process, the product is always better. And that's not. Yeah. And of course, that's like not the thing you're supposed to be focusing yeah. on. But also, if you would enjoy the process like yeah. that, isn't that the point of anything we do? Yeah. She, she uses this example. She tells a story about a guy who sees a woman across a bar and wants to talk to her. And does he, like, use that five seconds to move towards and talk to her? And, like, she kind of carries it out over this entire section of the book. And at the very end, you're like, what happened? What happened? And she's like, it doesn't matter. Sorry, spoiler alert, if you're going to read it. Oh, right. She's like, the, the outcome is irrelevant. Right. The fact is is that he actually took action. Yeah, and I, I love that it's, um like, a blanket theory shift yeah. that you can kind of live your life yeah. through because how many millions more opportunities could this maybe open up for you yes, exactly. if you're in that mindset? Because if you focus on product, that those worries are going to be pre ever pre prevalent. She's mm -hmm. like, Michelangelo, when the Pope asked him to paint the Sistine Chapel, he was so overwhelmed with self-doubt, he fled to Florence to hide. I did not know that. She said the Pope had to stalk him and pester him for two years to get him to agree to paint it. And I was like, okay, to hesitate and fear is human. So I can, I can. The cyst, like he was consumed with doubt? Yeah, he fucking fled the Pope. He like. He was the... like, I'm going to hide in Florence. And the Pope was like, hi, knock, knock for also, two years. I'm the emperor. I can find you in anywhere of Italy. I will find you. Oh yeah. my God. He was like, I can't do that. So like. We, 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 I think well, that's because he was focusing on product. 
Do you think Michelangelo has a self-help book we can read? It's probably called The 16 Second Rule. You're welcome. The, the, Sistine. the Sistine. I blew it. You were right there. It. I was so close. <laughs> um, okay. So she's like, stop waiting. Don't procrastinate. Um, uh, you think you're protect- protecting yourself from judgment and all that stuff, but you're actually limiting your ability to make your dreams come true. And she just does a lot of reframing. I love um, reframing. She, used, she goes, you validate your ideas by pursuing them. Look at E.L. James, who wrote Fifty Shades of Grey. And I was like, ugh, but true. Wasn't Fifty Shades of Grey it started off a as fanfic? Fan fiction. Yeah. And it's just kind of like the same. Yeah. And she was a television executive, but I think... Uh, she basically validated her own ideas by pursuing them and then found success and then found a whole new career. I didn't read uh, this article yet, but there was a headline about um, Aline Broche McKenna, who co-created Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, mm-hmm. that show. And she became a first-time director at age 48. And again, I haven't read the full article yet, um, but the sort of sub headline was I had to say I was a director mm-hmm. before I was one. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. Um, so she's like, look, you're going to feel uncertain and, and also be ready. You can be afraid and also do it anyway. You yeah. can fear rejection and still go for it. Yeah. It's that duality we've talked about. Before. Exactly. And yeah. so, um, you know, she gives a lot of examples of process, not product. And I, I, I thought this was a great and, and of course, rampant throughout this whole book are people writing in, you know, also giving her examples in their life of how they applied the five-second rule. Mm. Um, and then she gets to this thing that I, I, this is the part that I'm not 100% sold on. Okay. She says, if you've ever wondered why it's so hard to make yourself do the things that you know will solve your problems and improve your life, the answer is simple. It's your feelings. None of us realize it, but we make almost every single decision not with logic, but with our hearts. Uh, not, not with logic, not with our hearts, excuse me, not based on our goals or dreams, but with our feelings. She says, the moment you realize your feelings are the problem, you now have the ability to beat them. According to neuroscientist Antonio Damasio, it's our feelings that decide for us 95% of the time. You feel before you think. You feel before you act. He puts it, human beings are feeling machines that think, not thinking machines that feel. Human beings are feeling machines that think, not thinking machines that feel. That's really, I've never thought about it that way. I haven't either. And But then I thought, you know, the problem with this is that she's really asking you to beat your feelings. And I don't like that terminology. It kind of lays this groundwork that feelings are something that are not helpful to you. Right. When they are massively helpful. I find them to be really insightful if you know how to process them yeah I yes and but maybe while you're learning to process them or or um for anybody who hasn't gone to therapy or hasn't found a therapist they like or hasn't you know or is just new to self-growth or at the beginning of of any kind of like you know Mm -hmm. self-improvement journey it's any tool in your bag that's going to help you you know, take a step forward before, you know, sort of doing this advanced in-depth work is great. And this, what you're saying reminds me of, have you ever played Werewolf? 
Yes. So it, it, for those of you who may have never like played. Mafia or murder. It's like mafia or murder. Everybody sits in a, a circle and you close your eyes and o- only the people who are no longer in the game or the person who is hosting the game can actually see whose role is what, who the good guys are, who the bad guys are. Nobody else knows because you close your eyes mm-hmm. at certain steps mm-hmm. in the game. It is fascinating. Every time I get killed off from Werewolf, Werewolf, I'm secretly happy because I stand back and watch. There are facts and realities of who's good, who's bad, mm-hmm. but everybody, it really devolves into uh, like a mini Salem witch trials mm-hmm. where everybody is going, well, you said that weird and you looked yeah, at her. Yeah. And and that's, a in my mind, a perfect example of people making rash decisions based on their feelings, not facts. Yeah, I guess my problem with this, this was tough for me. It was tough for me because I don't, especially me having invested a lot of my life yeah. around understanding feelings and being able to process feelings yes. and be told like, nope, just ignore them, beat them. I was like, well, that's, I don't, that doesn't work It for feels me. like treating the symptom instead of the cause. Yes. Yes. That's a great way to sum it. Here, here She gives you a challenge. Your first challenge with the five-second rule. She says, first, there's no wiggle room. The challenge is straightforward. It's just you, the alarm clock, and five, four, three, two, one. Mm-hmm. If you fail, it's because you made a decision to blow off the five-second rule. Second, if you can change your morning routine, you can change anything. Change requires <laughs> you to act deliberately, despite how you feel. Yeah. And if you can master that one area in your life, you can do it in any area that you're trying to improve. Third, I want you to experience a concept called activation energy and feel how hard it is to really push yourself to do simple things. Mm-hmm. In chemistry, STEM, activation energy <laughs> is the a minimum amount of energy required to begin a chemical reaction. Chemists have found this initial amount of energy is much higher than the average amount of energy needed to keep the reaction going. That's right. So mm-hmm. you need that first burst and then you it do. Can, mm-hmm. You need a lot more energy to get things started. So what does that have to do with getting up? A lot. The initial amount of energy to push yourself out of bed is much higher than the energy you exert once you're up and moving. It's really interesting. That first bout of energy, activation energy, is so uncomfortable, but I want you to feel that resistance so you learn what it's like to push yourself. Mm. You might be wondering why I want you to start this exercise by setting your alarm 30 minutes earlier. That's 30? Her, she, yes, because 30, you're not, not do even it. 15? The reason is simple. I want it to feel hard as if you literally have to drag yourself out of bed. And later she talks for her morning routine. Her phone is in the bathroom, like you were saying, putting yes. it across the room. I said, this is a great explanation and her initial challenge to people to start using it. It's really smart. It's helpful to understand why, because we're never taught how to push ourselves. Now, if you're in competitive sports, you may have had a great coach who helped mm-hmm. you understand how to do that and encouraged right. you. But if you weren't and you didn't get it at home, right? how would you learn how to push yourself? Yeah, it all, it all seems like this. A lot of these concepts can seem very vague mm-hmm. and very ethereal. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I just think like we might learn how to push ourselves physically. Mm-hmm. We might learn how to push ourselves mentally. Mm-hmm. But um, to push ourselves and challenge ourselves, like that's not taught in schools. And unless you have somebody, a mentor or a parent to teach you how to challenge yourself and go for goals, I don't know how you'd learn it. That's exactly right. And I, I think something that I have found, if by the way, if, if this to anyone is sounding intimidating and mm-hmm. it isn't sounding intimidating to me as mm-hmm. well, something that I, I have found to be incredibly helpful is just 
paying more attention and having a little bit more awareness. Just you, and you don't even have to start with the five second rule. You don't have to start with activation energy, but as you're laying in bed thinking, I absolutely don't want to get out of this warm cocoon and go Mm. start my day, et cetera. You can, as Lisa likes to say, get curious about it. Just notice the resistance. Don't try to change it. Don't try to beat it. Don't try to morph it into anything else. Just notice it. See, I love that. I think you and I feel very comfortable with that because we're kind of understanding ourselves more. I think Mel Robbins would say, nope, you've missed the opportunity for change. Just fucking get up and do it. Yeah, but as like a precursor to jumping into that, like say you give yourself a week just to notice your resistance. That's it. Like, notice your resistance. It's the end of the day and the dishwasher needs to be run and you don't want to do it. Like, just notice that. Look, I don't disagree. Yeah. I don't disagree. But you think she might? I think she might because I think she's saying you're just reinforcing that closed loop pattern. Okay. Okay. Part three. Courage changes your behavior. (laughs) Lisa just had so much activation energy. (laughs) I'm listening. She says, um, the five second rule is change agnostic. It works with any kind of behavior change that you're trying to make happen. Okay. Even gambling, drinking, and drugs. And I said, mm, I'm getting worried. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm I, going to jump in real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, fentanyl, mm-hmm. an opioid 50 times as powerful as heroin. Just 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 at Missy. No, no, <laughs> no. Well, I agree with you. She says... First, you'll learn the secret to improving your health. You're not going to like it, but it works. I said, the honesty is jiving with me. Everything you're about to learn can be implemented immediately and is backed by science. To reach your potential, you'll have to push yourself. There's no other way. Does she have a caveat about addiction? No. Or things like, does she have any caveats about this? She did. She does one, um, and I'll mention it, which is, she says, the fact is that thinking about being healthier won't make you healthier. Mm -hmm. Even meditation, which is a mental exercise, requires that you still do it. Mm -hmm. There's no getting around this. You must take action. Mm -hmm. And I wrote, fuck you, Gay Hendrix. (laughs) (laughs) You cannot think about having a better job, right? Right. You can't. You can't mentally put yourself into a better space. You have to take some kind of action. You do. You absolutely do. Probably going to the doctor. Um, So then she was like, this is, she's like, getting healthy is hard because you don't feel like it, but you're never going to feel like it. And again, I went to like, Mm -hmm. I have thoughts about feelings. Yeah. Um, I guess because she's operating at like this baseline assumption that people are able to process their feelings. Yeah. And I just don't think that's true for the average person. I don't think it's true. And I didn't even become aware of feelings I was having Mm -hmm. until I'd been in therapy for like six months. Yeah. Or that like people's feelings are misguided. And I now really live, live by my feelings. Yeah. They really help me chart my course. Yeah. And I don't understand them right away. Sometimes I need a day or two to figure out how I'm feeling about something. And if I'm immediately writing it out, I don't know that I would get there. And even even adding on to that, it's like sometimes there are two completely contradictory feelings at the same time. I I try to do a check-in with my feelings a few times a day and just name three feelings in my own head. You don't have to say them out loud or you can totally say them out loud. I spray paint them on a building. That's right. Um, Lisa's graffiti tag is very modern. It's Hashtag. very Banksy. Hashtag happy, sad, That's right. grateful. <laughs> but sometimes I find that I am so calm and filled with rage yes. at the same time, or I am incredibly happy and completely 
disdainful. Yeah, it's like, so funny because this is ex- she gets all to this at the point. same time. And then she wrote, "There are people all over the world who are fatter, lazier, and more out of shape than you who used five, four, three, two, one to change themselves into a totally different body mindset and life." And I was like, "Body shaming aside, like, ugh, what's the point?" She posted this guy on Facebook who's like, "I got stage three cancer and I'm running a marathon." It's like. I don't doubt that people use this to help them motivate, but like, what is what is that supposed to make me feel? But again, my feelings are irrelevant. Well, here's here's a question going all the way back to episode one, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Mm-hmm. Mark Manson's entire philosophy is based on positive thinking is bullshit and that we as human beings, it's part of the human experience to yes. feel negative. Yeah. So how can you speak to that at all in this, like, versus yeah. this book? She, in the next section, she talks about um, the courage changing her mind. And she talks about anxiety, panic attacks in the brain. And in that part, she does say that she actually eventually took Zoloft and that she was like, you got to do it. And I was like, thank you for saying that. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. You know, sometimes you're just like... And then she talked about how she was shopping for prom dresses with her daughter and they had been like to three stores and her daughter tried on like 40 dresses and then finally her daughter found the one and she got so happy and then all of a sudden she immediately started to have worries mm-hmm. about like it's going so fast, mm-hmm. she, you know, and and she was like, I really noticed that I had trouble letting myself just feel happy and I was like, sounds like an upper limit problem. Now. Oh, dear God. Um, <laughs> but I think mostly... She was like, I just five, four, three, two, one away from it. So I could just be present and enjoy it. And I don't mm. disagree, especially if you have panic attacks, if you have an OCD kind of anxiety, that might be a useful tool for you. But just like you were telling me about when somebody's crying, let them experience the full dignity, right? Yeah. Of that. I think that when we avoid our feelings, we deny ourselves part of our human existence. Yes, and it's fucking exhausting. It is. So it is so, and I know we've spoken to this in various ways before, but again, talking about treating the symptom instead of the cause, getting comfortable, sitting, and whatever is present for you can be a really powerful thing. It's such a gift. Even if you are annoyed and you cannot be bothered with the world at large, sit in that. Let yourself feel that for a minute because it's so you don't always have to be making progress. You don't always have no. to. And it sounds it's interesting talking about picking and choosing what works for us from the books we're reading. And I have not read this book. You have read this book. But it's it sounds like this could be a powerful tool for if you want to change your habits. Mm-hmm. If you are stuck in a pattern mm-hmm. of um, being stagnant, mm-hmm. of complacency, mm-hmm. this might be a cool thing to jumpstart. But also, I think on the flip side that sh- that is implied, but she maybe doesn't really say, is if you're not able to constantly five, four, three, two, one, which I can only imagine at minimum would need to happen hundreds of times a day, mm-hmm. that leaves a lot of room for self judgment that isn't necessary. Yeah, and I th- she encourages you when you find yourself having those negative thoughts to just five four three two one out of it. I'm I'm putting my foot down here and disagreeing because I. I think 
I think we've all gotten a taste of how positive I can be and how open to— I'm so here for this. Yes, and how how open I am to different perspectives. Yeah. But even that being true for me, I have to balance myself. To feel calm within myself, yeah. I have to let myself have a good cry, feel very sad, yeah. feel very fucking and down I or angry. I don't think that that's what she's— saying like don't feel those things Mm -hmm. but this was an area in which because the rest of her book she is so good about acknowledging different perspectives and saying like make it work for you and of course you can't just think yourself into good health and like you know um this was an area in which i was like well you know feeling if you keep pushing down feelings they come out somewhere Mm -hmm. you know what i mean they do so i i and I think this is part of, again, why I don't enjoy self-help books in particular is because they tend to take one mantra and want to apply it across the board. And I don't think that that is useful. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. It sounds like it sounds like if you are finding that your feelings or your habits are keeping you from making real progress in your life, yeah. do this. So, so I some keep, of the, let I, me just say some of the best examples that people use wrote to her about. Yeah. Oh, please. Yeah. Or about like emailing about jobs or asking for raises or mm-hmm. meeting new people right. or that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um uh, or getting out of bed and, you know, changing their morning habits. Um right. and so I see that very very helpful. I I I agree with you when it's like a physical habit. I think it's very very helpful because mm-hmm. it's so easy to just give yourself that hesitation and your brain is such a good machine, it can talk you out of it. Well, and talking about your prefrontal cortex, I think it's 21 days to make a new habit. It depends on what study you look it, at. Great. So it's several 14, days. 21, 30, 40, 60. Sure. So let's say two to four weeks sure. on average, maybe. Um, it sounds like this could be really useful if you're trying to change some habits, do it for a month and yeah. get and see how that activates you. Okay. This is why she wants you to do the first challenge is the 30 minutes in the morning. Yeah. How you wake up is just as important as how you sleep. Hmm. And we're not really taught that. She says, scientists have recently discovered that when you hit the snooze button, it has a negative impact on brain function and productivity that can last up to four hours. Holy shit. That's why you feel so darn groggy when you wake up after hitting the snooze. It's not because you didn't get enough sleep. It's because once you hit the snooze button, you started a new sleep cycle and then interrupted it. Right. So by simply, uh, so I was like, oh, that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I don't typically fall asleep in that nine minutes, but if I do, I'm fucked. Right. Or if you woke up in the middle of a REM cycle, it's the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and then here's the other thing she does. She, so she puts her phone in the bathroom. She gets up at the first one and then she's up. And then like, she has that 30 minutes of her own time. And one of the things she does is she writes down like her two musts of the day. Oh, this is why she says 30 minutes mm-hmm. is to have a window of time for yourself. Mm-hmm. Oh, so she's like, I brush my teeth and then mm-hmm. I'm like getting stuff ready. And I'm, and she's like, uh, I have two musts, two or three musts of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I write them down. And she says, by simply writing down your goals, you are 42% more likely to achieve them. Ooh. And then she also writes why they're important. And having the why statement reminds me of why these goals are important and gives me an added push. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep a little white uh, whiteboard 
um, marker, dry erase marker, mm. in my bathroom, and I'm going to write them on my mirror in the morning, my two musts while I'm like brushing oh, my teeth. Oh, cool. Because I think part of the problem with my list is my list, I can make a list of 45 things. I do. I, I never make a put list a why. A huge, oh, yeah, I never put a why. And then I don't achieve my list, and it sits on my list for forever. That's really interesting. The why is really interesting, and it, it, it reminds me of something, and I'm sure we will cover this book on the podcast, but yes. Timothy Ferris has yes. a book called The 4-Hour Workweek, and in there, and I'm totally paraphrasing from a memory, um, but he he has a thing where it's like, if before 11 a.m., you need to accomplish your two most important tasks of the day. Yeah. The most important things were like if the rest of the day went to shit and you didn't do anything else, but you got these two things done, you'd feel great about. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that. Well, think about it. If you wake up at 7, mm-hmm. that's your four hours. Till 11. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, Which I'm sure he, he wakes up at like 3 a.m. and drinks like matcha tea. Who knows? Shit. Okay. Um, the first two to three hours of the day are the best hours for the brain to focus on the tasks or goals that advance your own personal or professional goals. Filling this time with unimportant stuff is stupid. Because oh. it's real. it's the best, it's the after that first wake up right there, like yeah. that's the most productive your Prime. brain is going to be. Wow. So I have started, I hate resolutions, but I am trying like a different mm-hmm. thing in this new year where I don't start the day on my phone. I immediately wake up and get out of bed or do something different or hang with my dogs, but I don't get sucked into my phone. I love that. Because it's so easy to waste 30 minutes on your phone. Absolutely. And that kind of sets the tone for my day. So, Wow. Um, she talks a little bit about procrastination. I won't go into it too much, but there's, as we know, there's two kinds of procrastination, destructive pr- procrastination and constructive I didn't or know creative this. procrastination. I didn't know this. Yeah. Productive procrastination is when, like, your brain needs time to mull over a project, like, to mm-hmm. be creative about something. Yeah. You have to think about it, mull it over, and yeah. put it down before you come back to it. Yeah. Destructive procrastination is, it's like a coping mechanism for stress. And I really love this because she's like, it's like emotional eating for the mind. Oh. Like it it comes, it's not a form of laziness. It comes from when we're really stressed and it's when we avoid the work we know we need to get done. We know there will be negative consequences, but it's just, it's a subconscious desire to feel good right now. So we do it. Oh, that's really interesting. I do that a lot. Yeah, we all do. Well, it makes me think of like self-sabotage like, oh, well, if I'm not totally prepared and it goes terribly, then I can't blame myself. Well, that's part of it. And then she's like, it's just stress relief. And, you know, we we think that people make a deliberate choice to procrastinate. In fact, but most people who struggle with this, they tell researchers they feel like they have no control over it. And they're right. They don't understand the real reason why they procrastinate. We procrastinate because we feel stressed out. So the catch is you aren't stressed out about the work. You're stressed out about the bigger stuff, money, relationship problems, or life in general. So she says, forgive yourself. The first thing research tells us, you need to forgive yourself for procrastinating. She's like, it's not kumbaya, it's science. So you have to like be kind to yourself, forgive yourself, and then say, you know what? I am cleaning the inside of my vacuum, which I have done on a writing deadline. Uh-huh. Oh, if I have a writing deadline, my house has never looked so clean. Right? The baseboards are yeah. dusted. What is that? And then say, okay, it's okay that I'm doing this. I'm stressed out. Mm-hmm. And this procrastination is just because I'm anxious. And that's okay. It's okay. Instead of beating yourself up, is not. it's just ra- ratcheting up the anxiety. See, that's interesting because it doesn't sound like you're beating your feelings there. No. But she says it's 
procrastinators are really hard on themselves. So if procrastinating oh, yeah. is a habit, you have to replace the bad behavior pattern avoidance with a new one, getting started. So the moment you feel yourself hesitate doing easier tasks or avoiding hard work, use the rule five, four, three, two, one, and push yourself to mm-hmm. start the important thing you need to do. Or you could do what I do again. I try to trick myself mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. I have to just purely change locations. I have to go to a coffee yep. shop if I'm trying to get through emails or writing. Or I mean, I know not everybody can can just go to a coffee shop for their job to try and you know accomplish things. But if I'm in my house, I will do laundry. Oh. I will do the dishes. I will food prep. I will do anything but the task. I at cleaned hand. the inside of my vacuum. Oh yeah, it doesn't need to be clean. No, it's just going to get dust up there. At least exactly right. Okay, part four: courage changes your mind. This is where she starts to talk about. Um, science of habits and the power of gratitude, anxiety and panic. If, if you do suffer from anxiety attacks, this might be interesting because she basically is breaking down like the brain is thinking one thing, but your body is thinking another, mm-hmm. right? I Yeah, I don't have them anymore, um, but I, I would love to read that chapter. Yeah, and she says like when you start to use the rule to end worrying, you'll be amazed at how often your mind just drifts to something negative. Mine does it every day. It really sucks, and each day I fight against it. There are some days that I have to use the rule a dozen or more times to control my thoughts. Just the other day, I caught myself drifting into worry over and over again, and I said, isn't that just kind of being a normal human being in this world right now? Well, and-, and as Glennon Doyle says, I'm crying because I'm paying attention. Oh, what a beautiful quote. She's like, why am I laughing? The same reason I'm crying, because I'm paying attention. That's right. But I, uh, again, going back to sitting in your feelings, maybe there's some kind of compromise where you go, okay, you know what? For 10 minutes, I'm going to let myself be worried. I am going to be, or for an hour or for whatever time, for all day today, I'm going to let myself sit in that and live in that and process that because I think feelings are there to help us process. Yeah. And then tomorrow... I will take action as though I am not worried. Yeah. she. Do, I, I agree with that. And she does talk about how feeling grateful isn't just like – she talks about this neuro, neuroscientist Alex Korb. He says that feeling grateful doesn't just feel good. It activates your brain chemistry and it uh, activates the brainstem region that produces dopamine. So it changes your brain in the moment. Mm. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. I get, I get that. Mm-hmm. And – it's really hard for the brain to feel two things at the same time. Yes. It's hard for the brain to feel worry. Anger and gratitude. And gratitude. Right. Right. And so right. that's why, like, when I teach improv, when you teach baby improvisers and they're on stage and I, I literally imagine we're holding their teeny, hands. Tiny, their baby little feet, they're infants. stumbling. Um, <laughs> they're terrible. When we when we're teaching brand new improvisers to improvise, you know, when somebody will call them like my grandma witch and the person freaks out. And we have to teach, like, at the technical term on stage when you are given a piece of information, we call it a gift because we want to train yeah. people to be grateful because it gets out of that fear and that worry and that anxiety. Someone's just done the work for you. They've set up this idea. Not even that. Idea. We just go, oh, you've just gotten a gift. In fact, you got two gifts. You're a grandma and a witch. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that's so exciting. Two gifts. What are you going to do with that? I want to be a grandma witch. It's totally different than being like... Holy shit, what are you going to do? Make a choice, make a choice, right? It's very different. So we're activating that dopamine part of the brain that's like, oh, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that. It gets out of that fear. So I like that. I do do like that too. Okay. And then she says about panic attacks, 
When you try to tell yourself to calm down, you make anxiety worse because you're fighting against it. When you understand how panic works and what it is and the role your brain has in making it worse, you can beat it. She says, physiologically, anxiety and excitement are the exact same thing. And I wrote, oh, fuck you, Gay Hendrix. (laughs) That man is going to be in my life the rest of my life. That's what we should call the podcast. Thank you. Fuck you, Gay Hendrix. That's right. (laughs) Hashtag F-Y-G-H. So... She does a lot of rephrasing, or reframing, anxiety, repraise, re, re, reappraisal. Mm-hmm. And I, I do this with clients that I coach uh, who are an anxious presentation. Giving. Yeah. Restemming that energy from anxiety into excitement. It takes a lot of work, but you can. Because the symptoms are the same. That's I've never heard that before. That's very interesting. And it does sound like if you can build a new little highway in those neural connections, yeah. like a little neural highway. Yeah. And that's the work, right? Is like do it long enough for your brain to make new wiring. That's exactly right. And she says, now here's the catch about telling yourself I'm excited. It doesn't actually lower the feelings surging through your body. It just gives your mind an explanation that empowers you. And I was like, well, that's the difference between the big leap and this book. Mm. she's like straight up honest with you no you don't just get to say this word or do this thing and immediately have it fix it right no it's going to take a lot of time right and you're kind of tricking your brain anyway so i love that she gives all the examples in the book and she gives all the credit to the people who and never to herself like they said i use the five second rule this way and she's not like that's why i invented it she's like yeah this person learned by doing this, they learned this really cool lesson, this. Okay. I um, like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. And then at the very end, the power of you, she's like, it's in you all along. You have it. It's all you. So in summary, the five-second rule, the moment you have an instinct to act on a goal, you must five, four, three, two, one, and physically move or your brain will stop you. That's kind of it. That's the five-second rule. Lisa, great job. I mean, I can't believe I liked a book. I can't believe you liked it. It makes me want to read the full thing just so I know, you know, it's what short resonated and with It's sweet. You. There's a lot of posts from Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. I bet. I can't wait to peruse those. And it, it again, I keep saying next right action, but it's a thing um, that Matt Beisner talks about a lot, which is, and there's no, in there, there's not really, you know, necessarily physical movement or a countdown, mm-hmm. but it's like... In that moment, even if you're, you know, very, very upset or very lethargic or whatever, what is the next right action? And that that might be, I'm just going to sit up. Okay, yeah. what's the next right action? I'm going to pull the blanket off. Yeah. What's the next right action? And you can kind of follow that all day long. I agree. And mm-hmm. for people who are even more stuck or who don't have the inner gumption or yeah. gusto or pushing themselves, yeah. they might need this countdown. Yeah. To get out of all the yeah, that's reasons right, that their brain the is saying. Thought. That's yeah. right. Um, Lisa, how much does this book cost? So hardcover is about 14 and change. I don't believe there's a paperback. I couldn't find that on Amazon. Um, Kindle is $9.99 and Audible is one credit. And I'm betting it's on the Overdrive app. I'm sure for it is. For free. I'm sure it is. Probably with a little wait list because it sounds like it's a very popular book. Okay, so Lisa, would you say that this book is more practical or more woo-woo? 100% practical, 95% practical. There's a little bit of woo-woo, but I just like that she's like, this is how you do it. And then there's all these people who said, this is how I did it. Um, What did you try to put into practice from this book and how did it affect you? I literally walked by my sink mm-hmm. and it was full of dishes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, five, four, three, two, one. And I um, 
and I switched out and like emptied my dishwasher and then put the sink in. And when I got home from Disney, I was starting to get sick. I went mm-hmm. on vacation with Disney with my family, she my did. best friend. It was she amazing. Did. Check my Insta. Um, <laughs> and then like I, I was so tired. I was starting to get sick. I didn't know I was getting sick, and I was so tired, and I had so much to do. And I would five, four, three, two, one, get up and like empty my suitcase, Damn. and then sit down for a little bit, and then I would be like, okay, five, four, three, two, one. I'm gonna go put my suitcases away. My last suitcase sat on my <laughs> floor. For like nine days yeah. before I put it away. Because if I don't do it, if it's like same with the laundry. If I don't fold it the moment it's out of the dryer, it will live with me until I've worn all of them again. <laughs> now, to be fair, I did laundry, but the pile of clothes on top of the dryer is taller than me at this point. Five, four, three, two, one, leave right now. I can't. I'm so tired now. Now I'm sick. I, I, I do a five, four, three, two, one, sick. By the way, I think my stomach is growling like crazy. So if you hear that, there's not a mutant rodent in here with I'm not us. Farting. It's just I'm definitely not <laughs> farting. Um <laughs> poor so, Sav is like, I live here, you guys. <laughs> I know, I know. I sorry. Um he's got candles burning, it's fine. it's fine. What did you absolutely hate about this book, if anything? The whole like beat your feelings. Yeah. And what did you absolutely love about this book? Um, I think the practical Patty nature about it and that she was like, here's how you, here's my first challenge to you. Here's what I want you to do. And here's why. I like how you said that she was like, you're not going to like this. Yes. You're not going to like this, but this is how it works. This is how you do it. It was so, I often wondered too, I was like, is is this because it's a female writing this? And she was Mm. like, I'm already knowing you're going to hate this. Right. So like, let me tell you why I'm asking you to do it. Instead of being like, you know what? You just got to think. That's how it works. That's how it works. You just got to think better Mm -hmm. thoughts. Yeah. (laughs) Who is this book terrible for? And who is it perfect for? You know, if I were somebody in the throes of addiction and somebody gave me this book, I would be like, Fuck you're dead this. to me. That's right. Um, but I feel like this book, I don't know how I would feel if I were somebody that struggled getting things done and somebody gave me this book without me asking. Mm. But um, if somebody said, hey, I read this book and I, or I heard about this book on this awesome podcast, um, would it be interesting <laughs> to you? I, I don't know. Or, or maybe if people wanted to try it together. You know what I mean? Like, let's try this together. Yeah, I thought that that would be cool. And I just feel like talk I it feel out. like it it would at least for me be so much easier or more fun to try and to stick with. Yeah, if I knew that you were doing it too, and yeah. I could call you and say, Yeah, how did your five second rule go today? Yeah, um, and then I think it's really bad for yeah i think i said it bad for and then good for yeah i, th- I think i answered that question you covered it baby sorry you're doing it I'm it's doing that it. sick lazy brain yeah um do you have a listener challenge for me to try this week i would love for you i don't know what your schedule's like i know you're very busy but if you have any instinct this week to work on that web series that's sitting in your drive that needs to be edited oh no god Damn it. But only if you have an instinct. Only if it comes to you. Here's the thing. Editing an episode of a web series is like a tens of hours long process. Now listen, you don't have to do the whole thing. You just have to start on it. So you just, could five, four, three, two, one, go look at the go look at what you have. Oh god. Or go or look at your calendar. Just take one small action. The problem is if mm-hmm. I just open the file. Yeah. I can't like it's it's not 
The way editing work is like you can't make your brain. Okay, okay, I'm doing it. So what I just want you to do is maybe look at your calendar. Like you don't have to open the file. You can look at your calendar and say, five, four, three, two, one, open my calendar. Is there a pocket of time where I could look at it? Talking, uh, circling back to how I was saying clock resistance to things. I'm going to clock that I am fucking horrified by this homework assignment. Horrified because I I already don't have enough time to get a full night's rest yeah. and a meal, which I know that I'm doing to myself. Okay, then let's but put this one on the back no, burner. No, 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 no. I'm going to do or it because it's if you want to about... cook, then I would love if you have an idea to cook a recipe. Five, no, four, three, two, one. I'm going to do the hard one. I'm going to do the hard mm. one. All I'm saying is I am clocking my resistance, yeah. and there is an abundance. I love that. Oh, I want to like scream and cry. And you know what? Five, four, three, two, one. I welcome wants to come. Let's do it. Look at that. Change my attitude. She did a rhyme. Five, four, three, two, one. I welcome wants to come. Uh, uh, uh. Listen, I love that. And again, you don't have to edit an episode. You could just make sure that you have five, four, three, two, one. Open up my laptop. Do I have the most uh, current version of editing software that I need? Do I have space on my hard drive? Okay. Those are all actions in. Uh, effort to achieving yeah. this goal. It's just one action. That's it. Yeah. And and by the way, I know you mentioned earlier you don't do resolutions. I know we're a little bit of the way into 2019 already. A friend of mine a couple of years ago, um, I asked her, what's your New Year's resolution? And she said, I don't do that anymore. I do themes. Mm. And I loved that. I used, to have a th- I used to do themes. My best friend from college and I would have themes. I love that. It And it really was so... I found it to be very empowering. Last year's theme, which was my first year with a theme, Mm -hmm. was If Not Now, When? And then this year's theme is I Welcome What's to Come. Misty? So, yes, I feel like the five-second rule is perfect for this. I do, too. Well, also, I found out that I might be losing my health insurance at the end of the month. That's a huge fucking deal. That is. And you know what I did? I sat there and I went, I welcome what's to come. And I'm going to figure this out. And mm-hmm. maybe this will, yeah, I, I don't know. I just tried to go down the positive things. I welcome what's to come in the form it's going to come. Look at the gratitude. Look yeah. how you're activating your brain. I know. Do I look different? How do I look? Um, you look beautiful and not stressed at all. <laughs> not a furrowed brow. <clears throat> Excuse me. Do you have any other questions about this book that I can mm-hmm. answer? No. Is there anything else you want to leave us with a takeaway? Or do you have any like... I'm curious to know if people give this a try. Or just a portion of it. Like if you procrastinate and you are mad at yourself about it, just start by forgiving yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? I I, I liked a lot of this book and I was very surprised that I did because I was like... Five second rule. What is this bullshit? Yeah. And then I was like, whoa. Yeah. And I want to know... Uh, who has this worked for? Who mm-hmm. hasn't this worked for? And I'm very curious, did it cause anyone to go into a self-judgment spiral? Because I am worried about that for myself. Great. Yeah. Great. So um, I just want to do a quick check-in, Misty, because mm-hmm. I listened to our Languages of Love podcast that came out. Yes. We were both there for that. Yes. Oh, thank you. And you mentioned that because acts of service are is your language of love and that when people do things that make you have to redo work, it drives you bananas. And I thought, oh, my God, have I, like in all of our documents and spreadsheets and stuff, have I done work that's made you redo work? So I wanted to check in. You are so kind and loving to check in about that. Um, 
No, I don't. I mean, I think there's definitely been a learning curve sure. um, with get, like streamlining all that is involved with the podcast. By the way, everyone, I thought, oh, we're going to start a podcast. It's going to be casual. It's going to be fun. And it is casual and it is fun. And it's also a, like a full business. Not yeah. not that we make any money. Yes, Sav is like, ladies, if I could have one spreadsheet versus 17 pages. And we're like, no. Yeah, we have a, a spreadsheet with literally like 20 different different tabs at the bottom, et cetera. No, but I, I deleted four staff, so I got rid of a bunch. Yeah. No, you you it's incredibly well organized. Oh. I just need to interject for once and say these two women are incredibly well organized. Sometimes oh. to our own detriment. Thank you so much. I'm gonna put that on a loop and play it back for myself when I'm feeling No, you you have been amazing. I mean, I think there are definitely times where like I've missed something you've said in an email or you've missed something I've said, and yeah. so we keep talking about the same thing, you know, okay, or good. bring it up. But like, well, no, I did just want to check in. Also, my best friend Sarah did take the quiz and she is like me in that she has like four or four three or four. Four love languages that are all like most, They're pretty high. Like, she had like prominent. eight, like eight, seven, six, five. That is And so mine was like funny. six, 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 one. That is so funny. Isn't that great? That's great. So that makes sense of why we're best friends. Yes, it does. She seems amazing. So that was my transition. It was like a check-in. It's like a check-in. I love that. Lisa. Misty. Is your life abundant? My life is abundant. Oh, yeah? Were you going to five, four, three, two, one it? We could. I kind of want to. Okay. Should five, four, three, two, one. Life Life is abundant. (laughs) Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less, was produced by Misty Stinnett, Lisa Linky, and Matt Sav. Our theme song was also written by Matt Sav. He's amazing. (laughs) Do you want to get in touch? You do. Email us at gohelpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. And you know, you can also find us on the social medias, Instagram at gohelpyourselfpodcast, Twitter at GHYpodcast, or check out our website, gohelpyourselfpodcast.com. And if you liked our podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes to help other people discover our show. It's really the least you can do. And why don't you tell all of your friends? Bye! Bye!